a centurion in the imperial Roman army. I was born a Roman. I was raised a Roman. When I was a young man, I was sent to Rome to be trained in the art of war. Thus I became harsh and cruel. I care little for life. It's cheap. I've killed many innocent people as Rome conquers the world. All I live for is rank and pleasure. But all this changed a few days ago when I met a man. He wasn't just any man. He was different. You see, it all started when the Jewish leaders brought this man they called Jesus to Pilate early in the morning. And Pilate came out before them and said, what accusations bring you against this man? And the Jewish leaders said, if this man were not an evildoer, we would not have brought him to you. We have found this man perverting our nation, forbidding tribute to be paid to Caesar, and claiming to be Christ, the king. And Pilate thought for a moment and said, take him and judge him yourselves according to your own laws. And the Jewish leaders replied, it is not lawful that we should put any man to death. Death? What had he done worthy of death? And so Pilate took Jesus back into the judgment hall and sat him down and questioned him and said, Art thou the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered and said, Sayest thou this of thyself, or did others tell it thee? And Pilate said, Am I a Jew? Thine own countrymen have brought you unto me. What hast thou done? And Jesus answered and said, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, then would my servants fight that I might not be delivered into the hands of the Jews. And Pilate said, Art thou a king then? And Jesus said, Thou sayest correctly that I am a king. For this purpose was I born, and for this purpose came I into the world to bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth hears my voice. And Pilate said, what is truth? And he took Jesus back out to the Jews, said, I find no fault in him. But they came, became more urgent, accusing him of many things, of which Jesus said nothing. And Pilate said to Jesus, answerest thou nothing? Behold, how many things they accuse you of. And he said not a word, insomuch that Pilate marveled. And the Jews became more urgent, saying, We have found this man, perverting our nation throughout all Judea, from Galilee even unto this place. Now when Pilate heard of Galilee, he inquired if he was a Galilean. And when he found out that he was, he said, Take him to Herod. He's in Herod's jurisdiction in Galilee hoping to be rid of the Jews and Jesus in this whole situation. And so we took him, and we led him away to Herod. And Herod, he was very glad to see Jesus. He had wanted to see him for some time. He had heard of Jesus, and he wanted to see a miracle. 
And so he asked Jesus for a miracle. And Jesus didn't perform any miracles. And so he asked him many questions, none of which Jesus answered. All the meanwhile, the Jews were standing there, vehemently accusing him of many things. And again, Jesus said not a word. And Herod and his men, they mocked him. They set him at naught. They mocked him. They dressed him in gorgeous apparel and mocked him as king of the Jews. And when they were done, they sent him back to Pilate. So he brought him back to Pilate. And Pilate came back out before the people and said, Ye have a custom at this time of Passover that I release unto you one prisoner. Would you that I release unto you Barabbas, the murderer, or Jesus, the king of the Jews? Because you see, he had perceived that for envy they had delivered him. Well, about this time, a messenger came from Pilate's wife with a message from her that said to have nothing to do with this righteous man because she had suffered many things because of him in a dream last night. And all the meanwhile, the Jewish leaders were going about through the people, persuading them to call for the release of Barabbas and to do away with Jesus. And so when Pilate turned and said, which would you that I release unto you? They began to cry out in unison, Barabbas, Barabbas, release unto us Barabbas. Barabbas? I couldn't believe what I was hearing. Barabbas was a thief and a murderer. No doubt many of these people who were calling for his release had been affected by Barabbas. And Pilate said, what would you that I do with the king of the Jews? And they cried out, crucify him, crucify him. And Pilate said, why? Behold, you have brought this man unto me as one that perverteth the people. Behold, I and Herod have examined him before you and find no fault in him. No, nothing for which death is worthy. I will therefore chastise him and release him. Take him to be scourged. Now this is enough. And so we took him, and we led him away to be scourged. Now, for those of you who don't know what a Roman scourging is, let me take a moment to explain. We invented scourging to break and to humiliate, to degrade, and to put people under our Roman hand. It was so humiliating and so degrading, in fact, that Romans were never scourged. This was solely for slaves and for non-Romans who needed to be put under our authority. And so we took Jesus and we stripped him of his clothes and we took his hands and we tied them above his head until his feet were barely touching the ground. And as he hung there, a soldier on either side would take a flagrum and that flagrum had nine strands of leather. And in those nine strands of leather were metal and bone. Any sharp object that would cut and break the flesh. And the soldier would stand one on either side 
And they would take the flagrum and they would lay it across his back. Back and forth and back and forth they would go. It would wrap around his body. And when they ripped it out, out would come blood and flesh, marring the man's body. And so it was. We didn't have any ridiculous laws like the Jews that said you could only scourge a man 40 times. We would scourge them until they were nearly dead. The scourging wasn't always handed down as a death sentence. But many men did not survive a Roman scourging. And when we were done scourging him, we took him down and we sat him. We sat him down because he couldn't stand on his own. And we mocked him. We took a purple robe and we laid it around his shoulders. There was a thorn bush nearby and we plaited a crown of thorns and we placed it on his head. We gave him a reed in his right hand and we bowed before him and mocked him and said, Hail, King of the Jews! We plucked his beard, we spit in his face, we smote him on the head, and we mocked him and mocked him. And all the while, as he groaned in agony and pain, he said not a word. This is where I began to notice there was something different about this man. There was something different. Oh yes, he groaned in agony and pain, but he didn't say anything. He didn't curse and swear at us as many men would. He, he just sat there. It, it made us mad and we, we did more. But we couldn't get a response out of him. And when we were done mocking him and scourging his body, we took him back to Pilate. And Pilate came out before the people and said, I bring him forth that ye may know that I find no fault in him. And Jesus came out, dripping in blood, his body marred, dressed as the mock king. And Pilate sought to release him. And he said to the people, Behold the man! What shall I do with Jesus, whom you call King of the Jews? And it was as if when they saw blood, they wanted more, and they began to cry out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate said, Why? What evil hath he done? And they said, Crucify him! Away with him! We have a law! And by that law, he ought to die because he made himself the son of God. The son of God. When Pilate heard this, he was even more afraid. And he said to Jesus, whence art thou? And Jesus answered nothing. And Pilate said, speakest thou not unto me? Knowest thou not that I have power to crucify thee? and by that same power can release thee? And speakest thou not unto me? Jesus looked up at him and said in a calm voice, 
thou wouldest have no power over me, except it were given thee from above. Therefore he that hath delivered me unto thee hath the greater sin. Upon hearing this, Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews became more urgent and said, If thou let this man go, thou art no friend of Caesar. Anyone who maketh himself a king is against Caesar. And Pilate didn't know what to do. And he brought him out and said, Behold your king! And they began to cry out even louder, Crucify him! Crucify him! Away with him! And Pilate said, Shall I crucify your king? And they said, We have no king but Caesar. Crucify him! Crucify him! And Pilate, seeing that he could not persuade the people, but rather a riot was about to break out, called for a basin of water, and it was brought. And he washed his hands in the water and said, I wash my hands of this innocent man's blood. And they cried out, Let his blood be upon our hands and upon our children's hands forever. And so Pilate, being willing to content the people, released unto them Barabbas and delivered Jesus to be crucified. And we took him and we led him down the road to Golgotha, the place of the skull, along with the two other men who were set to be crucified that day who were thieves. And as we went down the road, we made the men carry their own crosses. But part of the way there, Jesus crumbled under the weight of his cross, no doubt from the scourging and the blood that he had lost. He was too weak. There was this man standing on the side of the road who we compelled to carry it the rest of the way. And when we came to Calvary, the crosses were laid out. And the men were laid on the crosses. And as I took the hammer and nails and came to Jesus, normally, it took several men to hold the man on the cross as I nailed. But this man, he was just laying there. I don't know if it was because he was so weak from the scourging or or what, but he just laid there like a lamb. And I came to him, and I knelt down, and I put my knee on his arm, and I took the nail. And as I was ready to drive the nail into his hand, I did something that I don't normally do. I looked back into his face. Oh, that face. That face that is normally filled with hatred and anger was filled with love and compassion. As I was ready to drive the nail in his hand, there was a peace on his face that I could not understand. And I was almost overcome by the look on his face. But I knew I had a duty to perform, and so I drove the nail into his hand. And I drove the nail into his feet. 
And we stood the crosses up. And as he hung there on the cross, in agony and pain, pushing up in the nail in his feet for every breath that he took, he looked out across the people. And there were those that came by and said, Ha! Thou that destroyest the temple and build it again in three days. If thou be Christ, save thyself. The chief priests came by, and they mocked and scoffed at him, saying, He saved others, but himself he cannot save. If he be the Son of God, let him now come down from the cross, and we will believe him. And the soldiers mocked him. When he asked for water, they gave him vinegar and said, If thou wilt be the king of the Jews, come down from the cross. But he didn't. He just hung there. He hung there on the cross in agony and pain. And as he hung there on the cross, he looked out across the people, and it was as if he looked straight at me. And he cried out in a loud voice, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Forgive me? How could he forgive me who caused him so much pain? How could he forgive me? I was so struck by the words that he spoke and by the look on his face that I could not bear to face the cross.
as hard as I tried to look away, I could not help but face the cross. Jesus sent an inscription. Pilate sent an inscription to be placed above Jesus' head that read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And the Jewish leaders came to Pilate and said, don't, don't write that he was the king of the Jews, but rather that he claimed to be the king of the Jews. And Pilate said to them, what I have written, I have written. And so it was sent and nailed to the cross above his head, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. And the soldiers took his clothes, they ripped them in pieces and gave a piece to each soldier, but his coat they did not rip. Instead, they cast lots for it to see who would get to keep the coat of the king of the Jews. Time passed. And then one of the criminals hanging next to Jesus blasphemed him and said, if thou art the Christ, save thyself and us. And the other criminal said to him, do you not fear God, seeing you are under the same condemnation? And we, indeed, justly for the deeds that we have done. But this man, this man has done nothing wrong. And then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou come into thy kingdom. And Jesus said to that man, truly, this day thou shalt be with me in paradise. And then, all of a sudden, the sky went as black as night. We couldn't see anything. The sun was completely hidden. We groped around in the darkness for probably several hours. We couldn't see anything. And then Jesus, as he hung there, he cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted as, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And then he cried, it is finished. Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. And at that very moment, the ground began to shake. A great earthquake had begun. The, ground, the rocks were rent, and I thought to myself, what manner of man is this? Suspended between earth and sky, in blood and agony, to save me? What manner of man is this? Truly, Truly, this was a righteous man. Truly, this was the Son of God. Mm -hmm. 
past and some of the Jewish leaders 
went to Pilate and asked that the bodies not hang on the cross into the Sabbath day. And so Pilate said to command to break their legs. And so we came to the first man and we broke his legs. And we came to the second man and we broke his legs. But when I came to Jesus, I knew that he was already dead. And I took my spear and I thrust it into his side. And when I pulled it out, out gushed blood and water. And we knew that he was dead. Short time later, Pilate summoned me to give an account because there was a certain man that had come and begged the body of Jesus that he might take it and bury it. And so I came to Pilate, and he marveled that they be already dead. And I said, yes, they were dead. Jesus first, and then the thieves. And Pilate commanded me to oversee this man as he took the body of Jesus. And we went, and this man and his friend came, and they took Jesus off of the cross, and they wrapped him in fine linen, and they carried him away to bury him in a new tomb. And that brings me to this morning. That was it. That's the last I saw, Jesus. I've had so many questions running through my mind the last three days. Questions like, who was this man? Was he just a man? Or was he the son of God? Truly, he was the son of God, but he's dead. Can death really hold the Son of God? And questions like, why? Why did the Son of Man have to die? The Son of God, why did he have to die? Why did this man have to die seeming that he had done nothing wrong? And as he hung there on the cross, he asked his father to forgive them. Forgive me? How could he forgive me? Who caused him so much pain? Who scourged his body and drove the nails into his hands? How could he forgive me? If I could only come before him one last time and ask him these questions. If I could only see him one more time. This morning, some say that they have seen him and he's risen from the grave. Others say that his friends just stuck, stole him away. But yet others say they have seen him. Could it be? Could this man be alive? if I could only come before him one last time and bow my knee before him 
and say, my Lord and my God, what must I do to be saved? come out of character for just a moment and talk to you as Lincoln Hicks. 
And you know, I wasn't there when Jesus was crucified. And you guys weren't there when Jesus was crucified. But your sins and my sins did all of this to Jesus. Our sins insisted upon the torture and mutilation of Jesus' body. He suffered because of our sins. He was just. He was perfect. And yet he paid a penalty that we could not pay. My stripes were on his body. My nails were in his hands. My crown of thorns were on his head. And as he hung there on the cross and God turned his back on his son, he turned it on my sin and on your sin. Jesus won the victory there that day at Calvary that only he could win. In love, he gave himself to pay a debt that only he could pay. And though I've scourged the back of Jesus for 30-some years, still he loved me and he saved me and he'll save you. What a great God we serve. I scourge the back of Jesus With thorns I crowned his head I cursed him and I mocked him I longed to see him dead I laughed with scorn as I followed him Up the path to Calvary I nailed his hands upon the cross and his blood ran at my feet. But still he loved me. Near death forgave me. By grace he took him to his palace and there they laid his head his palace was a cold dark tomb all around which guards did tread and then that morn they cried he's gone he had By 
Pilate, he tried to quelch the pricking deep down inside that told him this man was different. This man was the Son of God. He washed his hands, trying to act like this had nothing to do with him. This Jesus didn't concern him. We gather here to celebrate love, to celebrate the greatest love. This was all part of God's plan of redemption. His plan to save you from your mistakes, your sin. His plan to save you from your guilt. His plan to save you from yourself. Prophets, men of God, hundreds of years before, prophesied of God's coming. Isaiah, in Isaiah 53, hundreds of years before Christ came, prophesied. He wrote, He was wounded for our transgressions. You see, all of us have transgressed God's law. By sinning, we've traveled light years beyond the boundaries of righteousness and therefore put a vast chasm between us and God. Realize, my friends, that when you transgress God's commands, you are driving that spike through his hands. You are wrapping that flangrum around his naked body. Imagine the pain a loving creator must feel when his greatest creation, made in his image, turns against him. Oh, how his heart must break at this betrayal of his vast love. Isaiah goes on, he was bruised for our iniquities. Not, this word bruised carries the idea of being crushed. God's word tells us that you and I face an eternal death sentence for the sins that we have committed. And make no mistake, we all have sinned. All of us deserve this gruesome scourging. We ought to have been the one lifted up on that cross. But it wouldn't have been enough for us to die. You see, we're full of sin. We've not the ability to pay the price 
that justice demands for our sin. The prophet goes on, the chastisement of our peace was upon him. The payment for our sin, giving us peace, he took it upon himself in his own body on the cross. Justice demands that a penalty be paid for wrongdoing. And Christ willingly took that penalty upon himself so that you and I could have peace. You see, when Adam sinned thousands of years ago, God immediately spoke of a plan. A plan whereby you and I could be reunified with God in communion, in perfect harmony. God made mankind uniquely to live in communion with him. Think back to what must have been those glory days in the beautiful Garden of Eden when God, with, with created man, would walk with Adam, would talk with Adam in perfect harmony. Oh, how he wants us to bask in his love and feast in his presence, for in his presence we will truly find fullness of joy. At his side, we can find pleasure forevermore. Let me tell you a little bit about my God. He created the universe. He created the stars and the planets. He created this earth and he created you. He's not dependent upon anything or anyone, but everything is dependent upon him. He's all-powerful. He's all-knowing. He is present everywhere. He is holy, good, and perfect, and as such, he is a just and righteous judge. He gives mercy to sinful men and women, even though we don't deserve it. We call that grace. He's faithful and loving. Oh, so loving. If we call these God's attributes, he's all of these things in perfect harmony and balance, but none of these in fully encompass my God. These are just words that we use to try to convey something about who God is, but he's bigger than all of these. He pre-exists any terms or descriptions that we try and use to try to describe this being that created us. We live in a sinful, stained world full of hate and killing. But there is peace with God. There is healing under the shed blood of Christ. Jesus said, I am come that ye may have life and that ye may have it more abundantly. He promised eternal life. And in John 17, he expounds on that. And he says eternal life is more than just eternity with God in heaven. He says eternal life is knowing him. 
the only true God, and Jesus Christ, his son. My friends, you can know God here today on earth as well as throughout all eternity. In conclusion, I want to tell you about a woman who lived in the time of Christ. Her name was Mary Magdalene. Mary was a troubled woman. Tormented continually by multiple demons that had taken up abode within her. These demons possessed her. People possessed with demons could be violent. The Bible tells of, of people like this who, who lived in graveyards and, and, and day and night cried and cut themselves. We don't know a lot about Mary's life during this period. But oh, what agony. What inner turmoil and misery this existence must have been being the temple of demons. But one day, she met my God. She met Jesus. He called her by name. We don't really know a tremendous amount about her. But he poured his love and compassion upon Mary. He broke through her darkness and freed her from her bondage to sin, gave her joy that must have been radiant. From that day forward, Mary traveled with the disciples. She was with them. She ministered to Jesus' need from that day forward. And she was there that day. Bible tells us that she was there when he was hung up on that tree. Imagine the grief must have flooded her soul to watch her Savior nailed to that tree. They took him down that night and, she, and Nicodemus brought a hundred pounds of, of myrrh and spices and, and linens and they wrapped Jesus' body as was the custom. They put him in that tomb. And the next day was the Sabbath, which was a quiet day, I'm sure, full of grief. And the next day after that was Monday. And she came. She came to the, to, to the place where Christ had been laid and found the stone rolled away found that Christ wasn't there and she was in horror thinking that his body had been taken away. In grief, she looked down into the tomb and the angel said unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Because they've taken away my Lord and I know not where they have laid him. At this moment, a man comes up behind her and she, she, she sees him there out of the corner of her eyes. And She's, she perceives him to be the gardener, and she says, please. Where had they laid him? He said unto him, woman, why, why, why weepest thou? And she was full of grief. 
She said, Sir, if thou, if, if, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him. I will take him away. This man, Jesus, he looks up and he calls her by name. He says, Mary. And at this moment, she realized that he was no gardener, and she turns up and she looks at him and she says, Master. I'd ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes. My friend, Jesus loves you. He made you to live in communion with him. Maybe you've never faced the cross. He's calling you by name. Maybe you, like the scoffer on the one side of Christ, have mocked God. Or maybe like Pilate, you've, you've washed your hands of it and, and tried to ignore this and, and act like it just doesn't have anything to do with you. Or maybe like the thief on the other side of the cross. This man repented of his sin and accepted the boundless love of Jesus. Immediately, Jesus told that man that he would be with him in paradise. Oh, I hope you'll be like that man. He wants to be your best friend. To my brothers and sisters in Christ, I exhort you, you are made to be in constant daily communion with God. Jesus wants to have a closer daily relationship with you. He wants to be your best friend. He loves you. He's so full of love and faithfulness. Dear God, thank you for loving us. Thank you for dying for us. And Lord, thank you for conquering death and rising again. For Jesus, in Jesus' holy name we pray.